Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here today to discuss the offense from that loss to the Jaguars 28-27 to on Sunday in Jacksonville. Uh, bummer of a game, but here to make us feel better about it and talk about it with us is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. You know, result of that game aside. <laughs> uh, Josh telling me all about his Thanksgiving and and uh, some of the planes, trains, and automobiles he took to, took to get around. Uh, it sounded like quite a journey. But uh, tell folks where you can be found on Twitter, where they can talk football with you. Uh, Twitter, I'm at Josh Reed 907. I always say 907 because that's what we say. You know, when you're from Alaska, you always say 907, but you got actually, it's actually 907. So at Josh Reed 907. And that's where you can find me on Twitter. And then where I'm, where I'm writing these days, my full time job is with Anchorage Daily News up here in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, but my, my Ravens content, um, I, I write for uh, Heavy on Ravens for uh, Heavy Incorporated. So that's where you can find my writing on all things Ravens. All right. Outstanding. Uh, I need to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will murder your thirst. Uh, please give their product a try. They've been good to us. They have some good flavors, uh, nice seltzer lime that's that's good. And uh, they're common tall boy cans that are recyclable, which is a real positive for the environment. If you drink out of plastic, it will end up in a landfill in today's economic environment. Uh, recycling aluminum makes sense for the recycler. Anyway, uh, getting back to this game, uh I think what everybody's talking about today 
even though I'm not sure it was exactly what lost the Ravens the game, because you can point to a lot of plays, particularly on defense in that fourth quarter that did not go well, but on offense throughout the game. Uh, but the thing they're talking about on offense is that the plays are just getting in way too slow from the sideline. Yeah, yeah. And, and Harbaugh talked about that on, on Monday and talked about after, after the game on Sunday. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's really, to me, it's almost like a, like an overthinking on, on, on Roman's part and then a lack of execution. And I don't like, I don't, I don't know what it is, man. It's, like it's a combination of things. And they said really that um, they, they, they went to more fast tempo stuff in the second half, but even then, I mean, it's, it's, it's way, way too often that we're seeing Lamar, you know, clapping his hands, clapping his hands and, mm-hmm. and spiking the ball. Cause you know, the delay game and so many procedural penalties and it's just, it's, it's sloppy before it even gets started, you know, and it's, and it's, it's, it's really, it's really frustrating because, you know, like this team is just so capable of, of being much crisper on that side of the ball. And Mar even said that, you know, like in practice, they do, they do a great job of doing it, but, you know, come game time, it's just, they're just not on the same page. It just take a while to get everything going. It's interesting that Lamar is saying it that way because there could be several problems here and they really need to quality control this out and figure out where it is not working. You know, because one possibility is in the choice of play by Roman, that he may be having trouble choosing a play appropriate to down and distance, in which case an assistant who like preps two choices for him for the for the next play based on down and distance, like maybe have three guys and, and you know, this guy's working on what happens if this ends up being second and, and seven to ten. And this guy is if it's between four and six and this guy is between it's one and three kind of thing. And you, and it, the, each of them is responsible for picking a run and a pass to, to follow up this play based on what he knows on personnel, you know, submitting those to Raven to, to Roman and then having Roman choose one of the two. I mean, I, you know, then he doesn't have to go through his entire sheet to, to figure it out. And I'm sure he's got his plays organized like that anyway, but you know, it's gotta be something that prompts him to make a choice from a, a from a, from a quicker list. If that indeed is where the problem is breaking down. It is possible that some of the breakdown is from communication and, and getting the play to Lamar and, and actually having Lamar be able to communicate that play to the other players in the huddle. I really don't know where the process breaks down. I suspect, and you know, based on what we've heard from Roman, based on what you just said about Lamar, that it's probably in the choosing of the play on Roman's end this is happening. Yeah, that's that's really where I think the fault the fault lies is just you know kind of overthinking it too much. You know, you have all these options you want to do it, but I feel like in, in certain, certain situations, it's like okay, if you don't get a certain amount of yards on first down, you should have this slate of plays, that whole long list of plays, like maybe like four or five or six different plays you can choose from, and like all right, we didn't we didn't we only got two yards on first down. Okay, this is our set of plays on, on second second and long, or second and short, second and medium. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you know the, I feel like he's it's, it's kind of overloading his own brain here. It's kind of gal bringing this whole thing on offense and really I'm not saying like go to a strictly RPO type thing but like I almost I I, I, I when I was watching the game later that day between the Eagles and the Packers I was like man it must be so nice to have such a simple that was a simplistic game plan but like an, a nice efficient flowing game plan to where you're not overly sophisticating things or it's kind of just like keeping it real basic when you have these dual threat quarterbacks like you really don't have to overcomplicate things and I feel like the Ravens do that so many times to where like, all right, we're trying to get into the perfect play instead of just getting into a play. When you have a generational talent like quarterback that can do so many different things, so many things off script, so many things on, you know, in the mm-hmm. structure of the offense or the, of the play, you don't have to overthink it as much, man. Yeah, he, he can make any play a perfect play, or he can make a lot of different plays anyway, a perfect play by uh, by making a play on his own. 
you know, they, they, they snapped the ball maybe four times right at zero or late. And, and, you know, there's always that extra little bit of time they give you after the clock hits zero. And, and the Ravens really tested it on several plays. And then they, they, they snapped it late, obviously, one time. But the response to that was not really to get to the line of scrimmage super early. They had only four no-huddle plays. And so they weren't doing much in terms of just call out a formation, let Lamar figure it out at the line of scrimmage. And ha- you got to then probably have your linemen know less about whether or not they can advance down the field. You either have to have a called runner pass at the line of scrimmage. And that is one of the things about the Ravens offense. It can be a little difficult because Lamar likes to move. And when he moves, you can create an IDP pretty easily by having one of those linemen, you know, straggle down the field un- uncomfortably. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that I've noticed about Lamar this this year is he's he's really kind of like holding onto the ball along like a little bit longer than he should, and you know he's like trying to hold the ball just so he can like see if he can get that pass off instead of just being more decisive with taking off and running. And I feel like that's, that's a lot of times with some of those um, illegal men downfield things is that you know he's really trying to you know extend play to play for the pass instead of just taking off and run. I, I personally blame the linemen entirely for that. Um, it's, it's just my view of the thing is that they basically need to know that Lamar ne- needs to be a threat to pass very late in a play. And the value of Lamar Jackson in a lot of ways is the extended play value. So I don't want to take that away from him. I want, I want the linemen. I mean, they're not that much of a help anyway, blocking downfield for Lamar. If, you know, if Morgan Moses gets five yards downfield, is he going to really help Lamar with a block? Maybe, but probably not. You know, and and wide receivers, eligible receivers, yeah, they have a good chance to help with a block because they're the kind of guys that can maintain their feet in front of a smaller man. But uh, I just I I blame the 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 lineman entirely for that. I think the Ravens' offense really needs to be built around giving Lamar that extended time. They had three point twenty three average time to throw in this game. That's fantastic. He had three point sixty five three games ago, not the Carolina game, the New Orleans game. 3.65, which is one of the highest of the entire year in the NFL. And uh, you know, that's that's what really can break an opponent in terms of opportunities. You look at the Ravens' big plays in this game, obviously the the Lamar throw to Deshaun Jackson was a very extended play in terms of pocket time. It was, it was one of the longest ample time and spaces in a clean uh, you know, drop back pocket the Ravens have had the entire year. And it came at a great time in terms of uh, of making a big play. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you on that point. It's just that, you know, there have been times where I'm like, man, if he just, you know, takes off instead of, because mm-hmm. like sometimes like, you know, you, even though even though he has ample time to throw in a pocket, guys are just not getting open. Guys sure. just not, guys are just not getting open or defenses, you know, like, you know, they're, they're, the defense on the other, on the other side is just, you know, really clamping down. And um, you got like, you know, I'm not, I'm not in that Dan Orofsky camp where the Ravens offense is broken. You get too many guys running in the same area, but sometimes it is kind of clustered that way to where over the progression of the, of the play, you you do have several guys in one area. Lamar doesn't have anybody to throw to, and he still tries to, you know, hold the ball and try to wait for somebody to break free. And nobody does at those times, man, just take off. He's he's he he probably there's more he could do to do that. He's done a very good job, I think, of relative relativity again this year between his scramble yards and his sack yards lost. He's one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL that when you combine those two, you still get a positive number per play. And I think he's over one yard per play. I'm not sure if he's quite at two yards per play anyway. In 2019, he was over five yards per play on scrambles and sacks combined, which is just Absolutely amazing. 
Uh, I, I did want to talk about the four note huddle plays though. Again, before we move on, is that they had you know a run for zero, a run for six, a pass for eleven, and a pass for zero. The front run for zero was the fourth and one, so that was bad. But at least they got to the line of scrimmage, no huddle. I think you have a better chance to to make a play on a on a on a on a short yardage play. I like getting to the line of scrimmage quickly before the defense gets set up a gap a gap. You know exactly how they want in a set piece against your your group. But the other thing that that uh, that really held that number down was the fact that they didn't call the DPI on key on that Andrews play down the left sideline, and he couldn't haul it in with his, just his left arm, which I thought he could have done. Difficult catch, but he's Mark Andrews. He's supposed to make some of those catches. Yeah, yeah, I know. When people always compare him and Travis Kelsey, I mean Travis Kelsey makes that catch nine times out of nine times out of ten, and I'm just. It's, like I, I I thought it was gonna be DPI all day. I mean, like the guy like Arden Key really just like straight up grabbed his hand and yep. and and held him back. I'm like, where's where's the line judge? You know, like on the on that play, like what are you like what are you looking at if you're not looking at this? And it was it was, it was an ISO situation too. So like, what else are you looking at down the field on the left side of the field other than these two guys going at it? And like, I, I thought that was a one of one of I would say many blown calls. One of many that like, come on now, like you, you saw that, but you didn't you didn't see that, but you saw this. There's they're they're watching a little bit of World Cup traditional football we'll call it uh, you know soccer uh, this uh, last week and a half or so but one of the things you see is a lot of intentional fouls that are similar in nature to what Key did to Andrews where the guy puts his hand on his shoulder and kind of pulls the, pulls the guy back and you know it's kind of an art form in soccer you want to try and not get yellow carded but you want to try and give the guy enough of a bump that he can't get a breakaway goal because that's where you're usually preventing it. It's very similar, actually, to, to, to pass interference in that way. And, uh, you know, I, 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 that, that play was yellow cardable. I'll put it that way in terms of, of what Key did to Andrews, I thought. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know, I don't know, man. It's just like, like, what, like, what are you gonna do to like sell that call to try to get it? Sometimes, like, I feel like if, if maybe the receiver or the, or the tight end in this case, kind of like, you know, as soon as you get some contact, just like kind of like jerk your whole body, yeah. kind of get an over exaggerated movement just to try to get the call. Like, you know, if you know that this guy is clearly getting a little too grabby with you, I don't, I don't know what you're gonna do to, to better sell that in that moment. It should have just, it should have been called. I mean, I'm not saying Lamar. I mean, I'm not saying the Mark Andrews should, you know, should, you know. Try to try to get an Oscar with with the uh, with, with trying to draw the flag, but um, it's, it's something that should have been called and wasn't. But you know, it is what it is. Right. Uh, injury front, obviously the the, the offense missing Stanley uh, probably did hurt. Uh, not having Kolar is more of a little bit strange. To to have Isaiah likely out and uh, Charlie Kolar not get his first action in this game is a little odd. Deshaun Jackson obviously got his second elevation out of this. He's very close to getting a fifty-three man spot, but in a in a game where they're you know bringing up Stanfill, I think it was the outside linebacker, and yes. you know he's only there to play special teams, and and they're bringing up Daryl Worley to be the extra defensive back who did end up getting a defensive snap in this game. Uh, it's still very odd that Charlie Kolar it does not seem to really be ready, and uh, you know I hope they're making the most with him and Ajabo of of the developmental practice time they're getting, but at some point these guys got to get some live fire. Yeah, 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 totally. At this point, I mean, like, well, Ojala's been practicing for like a month and a half now, and and and, and Kolar, I'm not, I'm not understating the severity of his sports hernia injury, but you know, like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, if not, if not now, then 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 when, you know, like, right. yeah, you see, you see the second half of the schedule, it's a soft schedule, but you don't have the kind of team, or your offense is not, your offense is not executing the, at the kind of 
at the kind of high rate or efficiency that you cannot afford to not have as many weapons out there as possible. You know, like your 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 margin for error, even though you, like I said, you now you're tied you're you're tied for 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 first in the division with the Bengals, and they're playing they're playing excellent right now. To me, they're 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 clearly the that you know the I wouldn't say best team in the division, but they're but they're playing the best ball in the division right now. And you're and you're if you don't if you don't get these guys some reps soon, and you know your other what all your weapons are underperforming, then you might start losing some ground. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh... Even if the Ravens do lose a game in the standings to the Bengals, they'll still have their their destiny in their own hands uh, as long as they have that week 17 game left. But week 18, week 18 game yet left. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I, I agree. They they uh, they need to get the right guys on the field. And I thought, you know, one of the other points I've been making, you know, every other every couple of pods is that these guys need to fail forward. Ajabo and, and Kolar. You know, in, in a sense, we've already had the fail forward, for, the important fail forward for two players. Jalen Armour Davis has gotten a few snaps. I'd like to see him get more and and take what he can away from the experience into 2023, even though he's not healthy right now. Daniel Falalele has had some snaps and he's in a position where if he doesn't get any more, at least he's gotten those two games under his belt and he can fail forward into, into 2023 and hopefully be a better player in terms of technique and whatnot. Uh, than he was, and and certainly they they were they were two pretty bad games he put on at that at left tackle, but they weren't fall out of the bottom games for a left tackle. They weren't you know O'Neal Cousins or James Hurst at times F's that we've seen in the past. They were just they were just F's <laughs> high F's in 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 his case. So I, I want to see Kolar put in some time like that, and if that means he gets ten snaps and you know has some of the same problems that Isaiah likely had earlier in this year, that's great. You know, that, that could be exactly what he needs to get started in his, in his NFL career. Same thing for Ajabo. If we see one sack from Ajabo this year, uh, I'll be fine with that. If, as long as he gets some significant playing time to, to accumulate that. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I feel like especially in the red zone, <clears throat> in the red zone where the Ravens are really struggling right now, a guy like Kolar could really come in clutch. I mean, he was he was great on extended play opportunities in college at Iowa State on stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I feel like he's the – I'm not saying that, you know, he's – like he makes that the hatch in the back of the end zone that Marcus Robinson dropped, but those are the kind of catches that he did. Once they specialized in, but like made it made a habit of making in college. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And that in particular was one of those plays that uh, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. I want to talk about that initial fourth and one decision on the third drive because um, that's one that I think got, got talked a lot about in terms of whether or not the Ravens really should have gone for it. And that maybe, you know, playing against the Jaguars, you treat it a little bit differently. Where, where do you stand on that? Uh, this is the one that uh, well, well, the QB sneak to, to Lamar? Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson QB sneak fan. Now, Lamar Jackson on QB power, Lamar Jackson on QB draw, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll take that all day. But, you know, you get Gus Edwards back for the first time in two, three weeks. And, you know, last time you had him healthy – Fourth and short, third and short, you know, those are money downs for Gus Edwards. So I would have much rather seen him get the ball in that play than than Lamar than Lamar do it. I mean, QB sneaks just haven't really been his forte since he's since he's been in the league. And um, I, I said that, and, and that and that instance, I'd rather see Gus the bus get the ball, and then the execution of that play just you know made it made it all the more like aggravating. Patrick Ricard out of the eye in there, you can give it to the up back. In, in that kind of situation, if you want Lamar. Mark Andrews is a great Mark QB Andrews. sneaker. Yeah. yeah. Mark Andrews on the pitch play to Lamar was a, was a nice twist to have in there at least one time. I think you can run that more times. I don't even mind running something, even though it's not the ideal time to run it, 
like jet motion in that situation, because I think you have risks running the ball up the middle. You have risks certainly running the ball to the edge in a situation where everybody's along the line of scrimmage. But I also think Duvernay is a, is a shifty cat and getting him the ball and with what the Ravens can do, matching up blocker for blocker to the edge they choose to make the point of attack can be pretty effective. So I, I think I, I, I would like to, to see a variety in how they approach those short yardage situations, a pure, a pure QB sneak in that situation. Um, uh, might have been the might have been the best available call. Not not really trying to judge that. What I really want to get into a little bit was, did the Ravens have enough they could win from that that it was really worth it? And my initial like thought on the matter was, it's probably it's it's I'm, I don't immediately love the play because I don't want to make a large bet in game win probability for a relatively small amount of win probability that you gain, and I'm going to give you the figures on those in a second from the Baldwin bot, against a really bad team. So I'm supposed to dominate this team. I don't really mind punting that much because I'm going to play small pot poker effectively. I'm going to, I'm going to play for a lot of small wagers during the game. I should be winning most of the plays offensively and defensively, and there's no reason to make a whole big bet on one play that's fourth and one at midfield, and they, of course, did score a touchdown right off that. They did, right? Yeah, that was the one they scored a touchdown off. And, and, you know, then I looked at the Ben Baldwin bot, and I really had to reassess my thinking on this because according to that, the Ravens had a 2.1% win probability expected gain on that play, which is a lot for a play in the first quarter. That's that's a lot. But their entire range of outcomes there was only between – 83% 83% if they'd made it and 75% had they missed it. So only an 8% difference in win probability top to bottom. And it was 78% if they punted the ball. And then I think in those terms, and I'm like, it's that's that's too much win probability to leave on the table. They they definitely needed to go for that. They just needed to make it. They needed to find a better play and and, and make the ball. But from I, I I you know, from their own 30 going on fourth and one, that probably still would have been a, a slight win probability gain. And I probably would have been against trying it against a team like the Jaguars, where I thought, you know, they were clearly the better team. And you want to make more small bets on that game than than one really big one. By now you're probably noticing that there's strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, that's because it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans help bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. By now, you probably know how much I love Liquid Death. Well, every week I tell you about a different way I've used Liquid Death to mess with people. This week it was taking a cooler full of Liquid Death to the softball game. Because as our team chugged down Liquid Death, our play improved while the other team drank other stuff and maybe got a little sloppy out on the field. So take liquid death. The other team has no clue what you're doing. Or take it to work. We've talked about that many times. Drag it around to your friends at school. Maybe the carpool lane. Maybe we'll talk about the carpool lane next week. Just take liquid death. Enjoy it. It's ice cold water. You're going to have a great time and fun. Go get liquid death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find liquid death retailers near you with your store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of, I'm all I'm all for like you know going forward in situations like that at the end of the game when you're trying to put away a game. But early in the game, you don't really need to. You're still kind of feeling this game out. And like I say, they weren't doing much against your defense up to that point. You know, like like why 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 risk it, especially on on a, on a play that in the history of you know Lamar Lamar being the quarterback hasn't been the most, your most successful short yardage play. Yeah, that's a, that's a valid point too. And, and you know, you don't always know because the, the Ravens had won, I think, eight of the first nine plays defensively. So they gave up a, a big pass play uh, on the second play of the game after the sack for the first down. And then they shut him down on four downs to get him off the field. And then they got him off on three downs on the second drive. So, you know, we're sitting there and thinking, we're, we're looking pretty good here. It's six to nothing. The offense has, has screwed the pooch on two red zone drives, you know, but they, but they, they are – they they've dominated the game so far, and then of course that that fourth and one honestly just turned the game around in a lot of ways. Didn't matter that it was a fumble. It was nice to get the the, the one turn out of, over out of the way when it didn't wasn't any worse than a zero yard run. But uh, but honestly, it's just a kind of a disappointing um, uh, play there. But I do think it was the right the right move when I when I looked at it mathematically. Then on the snap count battle, 68-61 in this game. Um, you know, when I look at that, I, I look and say they had about equal credit to the offense and the defense. The defense really dominated the game early, kept the Jaguars off the field in the first half. They didn't run a lot of plays at all. Um, while the offense was was, you know, continuing to grind out some first downs. Uh, just the problem was where their where their series failures were coming was always seemed to be in the red zone. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, like, like I said, they, they really controlled this game, man. It's just like when you look at it, and we're going to talk about the third down efficiency and all that kind of stuff. Like if you look at the, you know, the, the box score, like, okay, you know, Ravens were efficient here, efficient there, efficient everywhere, but where it counted most. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like the opposite of what the defense used to do under DMPs, that bend but don't break. You know, you let a team kind of march down the field a little bit, but then put the clamp down in the red zone. This year's Ravens, you know, like I won't say this year's, but like, you know, as of late, you know, like they marched, they moved the ball pretty consistently and pretty well. Just once they get inside the, tw- the, the opposing, 20, opposing team 20 yard line, it's just like things kind of go haywire between penalty, between poor execution, you know, drops and, you know, miscellaneous. It's just like they kind of, they kind of just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about this team right now. It's offense, at least. It's, it's, it's very frustrating. I, I can only say older Baltimore sports fans and probably a few years older than me, but not much, uh, will remember Super Bowl three and Super Bowl three. That's exactly what happened to the Baltimore Colts is they were continually marching the ball down the field until they got inside the 20 and then they throw the ball away somehow to, to the Jets and. Um, they, they really, in a lot of ways, dominated that game uh, offensively in, in a way that I, I think people don't really now know. They just turned the ball over like crazy when they when they got inside the 20 and, and uh, uh, got stopped. So that was a it was an ugly ball game. And, and two years later, they turned the ball over seven times and they still won the Super Bowl doing that, um, which is still incredible this day to me. But it, it, it just is frustrating as hell to be constantly going down the red zone. The only thing worse than coming away with field goals is obviously coming away with turnovers, so they didn't do that. But uh, but very frustrating game in terms of, uh, of of just relying on Tucker down there to score every point. Yeah, because like sometimes with, when you got when you're coming away with three instead of seven, I wouldn't say it, it, it's, it's equivalent to a turnover, but it's almost like oh man, you kind of have that same like oh man feeling as if they turned the ball over. Like man, you were in prime scoring position right there. You know, you are you are a, a fingertip catch away, uh, a drop pass in the back of the end zone away. 
And it, even the one that Andrews dropped, you know, that they end up scoring on a Gus Edwards run a few plays later. But even then, it's just like, come on, like, like yeah. what's 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 going on with you guys right now? Like, Mark Andrews makes that catch nine times out of ten, sometimes ten times out of ten. It's just it's just one of those days. Yeah, that was uh, that was fairly awful. And and you know what what really was apparent to us is. Now the Jags have some tall receivers. You know, Marvin Jones is a is a fairly tall guy, and Zay Jones is a linear athlete who who you know definitely can get up fairly high. Um, it, they had guys who were constantly going up to high point the football and doing it effectively. And the Ravens, not only could they not high point the ball, that that play to Andrews was they they had six drops in this game, and they they just they destroyed Lamar with those. They destroyed the the you know the drive integrity and whatnot. Um, you know, in one case, they actually, they, they lost a score in another case, they didn't lose the score, but they, but they ended up, you know, having to run two more plays to get it. And I think two more. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, frustrating, frustrating as hell. Yeah. I saw, I saw one, somebody that tweeted out that they had eight drops in total. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go back through and count mm-hmm. all the drops, but you know, like, look, that kind of stuff. Like I feel like drops shouldn't be counted against a quarterback completion percentage. Cause at the end of the day, uh, Lamar was what 16 of 32 for 50% of completion mm-hmm. percentage. But if you exit out some of those drops takes, and then he's probably, you know, over 60, you know, cause like they didn't, they yep. didn't throw, they didn't throw, throw the ball a, a whole lot, but 32 times is still a lot for, um for this version of the Ravens. Yeah, so I think he should have been like 22 out of 32. So that's really close to 70%. One more time, 69%. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. It's a, it was a good passing game from Lamar and I, I think that anybody who who was really looking at it, I, I saw I saw PFF gave him a good grade, but I think anybody who's looking at it really says it was really much more the receivers in this game who who let him down. Uh third down success 8 of 14 despite all of the failures in the red zone, they still had great third down success. This is now nine consecutive games that the Ravens have been over 40% or higher on third down, which is by far the longest streak now in Ravens history. Um, they also allowed only four of 13 conversions on third down. So for all the success that Lawrence had, and a couple of those were on fourth down as well. So they, they converted a couple of these third downs. They missed, obviously. But uh, still, that's that's now five consecutive games where they've held the opponent under 31% on conversions, which is really impressive. Two of those were four out of 13, so exactly 30.8%. But uh, uh, still uh, impressive that the Ravens have, have done that. Yeah, man, it's just like this on both sides of the ball, man. This team is just like on the precipice so many times of just like, you know, like just being being that team, having an A-plus game, and they just come up short in these high leverage moments, whether it's on defense, you know, uh, on, on fourth down or third and long, on, on fourth and five, on fourth and eight, whether it's on yeah. offense in, in, the, in the red zone. You know, like if you take out their, if you take out their red zone third downs, they're probably damn near perfect on third down because, like, you know, mm-hmm. they convert time and time again, whether it's Lamar in a scramble, Lamar finding somebody open late, or, like, you know, them just running the ball straight up on, 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 on third and short. It's just, like, when it comes to these high-leverage moments in the red zone on offense – or uh, on fourth down, on or uh, on fourth down on on defense, they just they just I don't I don't know, man. It's 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 really frustrating. And like I, I was watching NFL Live the other day, and, and Dan Orlovsky was saying, if this team can can play a plus complimentary football, like they're you know they're t- they're arguably the hardest team to beat, but they just can't seem to put it together on both sides of the ball week in week out. Right. Obviously, some things went wrong on defense that were going right on defense the last couple of weeks. One of the, one of the problems, I mean, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith 
together in one game regressed very significantly at the same time, which was unfortunate. Uh, you know, Patrick Queen had four missed tackles and he'd only had one in the previous five weeks. So he'd been 38 out of 39 on tackles, as I scored anyway. PFF has, I believe, for 38 out of 39, 39 out of 40, one of those two. And PFR had it as 39 out of 39 that he that he'd made during that time. So, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that you have four missed in a game uh, and then three missed by Roquan as well. So that was a lot of it. But then some of it's also explained by the fact that Lawrence throwing the ball to the outside running backs involved like those throws to hasty are going to create places where a running back can beat an inside linebacker in space, either with, with some combination of late diagnosis of the play or a move put on the player in space. So it's much harder, much easier to get a missed tackle out there than it is to get one, say in the hole when, you know, queen is trying to run through a hole and take somebody down. Yeah, and you like to see some of those edge guys at least give the guy a bump to kind of get him off of his route a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, at least like delay him before he goes out in the swing pass. Because whenever you have those running backs going out with a free release, I mean, we saw it with Drake, you know, a few weeks back, you know, where he was just, you know, like on this little this little swing route to flare route. You throw it, throw it out to him. He gets a quick seven, five yards when he doesn't drop the ball like he did this yes. past uh, <laughs> like he did this past <laughs> Sunday. But um like I said, those swing passes, when when those guys don't get impeded, can be really dangerous and advantageous for the running backs. All right. Before we get into the red zone stuff, I want to talk to you about the general distribution of the football in this game. So they've, they've gone back and forth, a little bit of schizophrenia in terms of the way they've run the offense. But with Tampa Bay, they threw the ball pretty much entirely to likely. It was the one target approach, I'll call it. Then they went to the spread in New Orleans where they got, they I think intentionally, scheme-wise, script-wise, they wanted to see a lot of different players catch the football. And they, they were effective doing it. And uh, it wasn't a great passing game, but it did eventually set up uh, the, the one pass for likely t- for the touchdown uh, against New Orleans. Then Carolina, it was all Demarcus Robinson. Very few other targets and, and very few other completions of any length um, in that game. And they get back to this Jacks game, and again, they're pretty well spread out again. So Oliver certainly you know, made some catches, made some yards, and Andrews had a substantial portion of the yards as well. Uh, but they're still getting some catches from Robinson, from Duvernay, from uh, Ricard a couple of times. Uh, don't know who else had some catches. I'm not looking at the at, at the thing right well, but there were, there were about six or seven guys who actually had a catch in this game and uh, and and made some yards on the play. And I want to get your opinion on this. Which do you think has more value to the Ravens? Do you think getting getting the ball spread out as much as you can to try and build an offense that defensive coordinators will have more trouble with, or do you think it's more of Finding Lamar targets that he could trust by having more targets in a single game such that he learns to trust a set of receivers, even if it's only one at a time. Okay. Well, I got the number of there's so six different guys caught balls yeah. against uh against against Jacksonville. And um to me, I, I I really kind of I I'd much rather prefer Lamar to spread the ball around just so he doesn't kind of get because if he gets keyed in on one guy, then the defense is going to get keyed in on one guy. And against the Buccaneers, they had no answers for for likely. And that's cool. When you have games like that, that's cool. And the offense can still roll efficiently. That's awesome because they still end up putting over over 20 points against the Buccaneers. But then when you try to key in, when you when you key in on one guy like they were against Carolina last week, you know, you only scored 13 points. You know, like, so like if it's working that way and the defense is giving you that guy or they have no answer for that guy, then cool. But I'd much rather you start off with spreading the ball around and peppering them all, all across the board. 
Yeah, that, that's a really good point because you, you mentioned the locking in on one target often can lead you to, uh, to some extra interceptions may even lead to some bracket play on your key receiver. We saw that we've seen that a lot in past years with Andrews. Yep. When he becomes the the sole guy, Andrews becomes a big interception risk uh, in terms of of overthrowing him or having Andrews himself tip the ball up and and, and create a play for a safety behind him. So um, yeah, I, I I like that too. I think that uh, I think it probably does make sense more to spread it out. But I also like the fact that he seems to have some comfort throwing to Deshaun Jackson now. Uh, and you know, if, if you're, uh, if, if you want to pick up one other, I'd say he has probably has as some confidence throwing to Josh Oliver right now too, in terms of, of getting it to a guy that, you know, for whatever reason, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's Roman needs to get comfortable with what Josh Oliver can do catching the football. Uh, but, uh, and not Lamar, but, uh, but he certainly, uh, Lamar should have some trust with what Josh Oliver can do at this point. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like some of the re- like rationale behind not, not having Kolar up this week because they wanted to get Josh Oliver more heavily, heavily involved in the passing game. And there were some times even, even um, earlier in the game where he was open for some, for some uh, passes in the, in the, in the red zone that Lamar kind of missed, it was kind of looking one way. didn't see him flash in front of his face to the, to the left where he could have got him on a quick slant for a touchdown. And um, like I, Josh Oliver, man, they, they, they said a few weeks back, this guy really earned his way out to this team. And he was a guy that most of us pegged as a bubble guy, clearly probably going to get cut. You know, he didn't show enough to get traded, um, but he really played his way out to this team. He's really come on strong as of late. And this was, you know, it's kind of like a sneaky storyline. You know, Josh Oliver revenge game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he looked every bit of the third round pick that they thought they were going to get in 2013 at a San Jose State. Yeah, that's a good point. He, uh, I don't know where the Ravens would be with Josh without Josh Oliver this year. Obviously, he's been very important for them and been a good blocker and, uh, caught the football when he's been asked to do it. And they, they went to him in some, obviously some very key moments in this game. I do wish that the combination of his own understanding of what was going on from a game managed perspective and whatever was translated into the huddle would have led to him going down at the one yard line for a first down, but not a touchdown on that touchdown catch. Ravens would have won the ball game if, if he had done that. And it's a shame because I, I blame the coaches 94% of what happened, but I also blame Oliver a little bit because Oliver, he, you know, he can, he can understand that while he's on the field and know that that's where I got to get for a first down. And that first down is probably going to win the game for us because it's a kneel, kneel kick situation at that point. Probably would have left about 15 or 20 seconds on the clock for, for Jacksonville to come back and try and score a three. And by the way, a lot more happy having them try to do that than than what happened, which was having the Ravens try to do that. Yeah, and you know, Harbaugh even talked about that. That was a possibility, and they were thinking about that. He said that on on his press conference on Monday that they, you know, it was it was a it was a thought, you know, and 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 going in there. But you know, I. I I, I don't know. I can't really fault Josh Oliver. You know, like you get, you're you're a former Jacksonville Jaguar. This team shipped you off for a bag of peanuts a few years back, and you have a chance to you know score your second NFL touchdown. Now, if it was now, if it was his 
If it was his first, I'd be like, okay, you, you really can't fault him for that. And it, you know, but it was the second ever NFL touchdown, and it gets his former team. And so, if, if you, when whenever you're a player, you see you, you see nothing but green grass in front of you, and you, you are about to score, and you have all the faith in your defense that they're going to hold them. And you know, like I said, I don't I don't fault him for it. You know, like I've seen guys like 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 Nick Chubb go out of bounds, or just or or, yep. or you say Saquon Barkley just you know uh, you know slide, slide down, yep, you, you slide down, and like would have been preferable. You know, yeah, sure. You know, and, but you know, in, in, in the heat of the moment, guys don't think like that. They see nothing but green grass in that end zone. They're going for it. So, my guest on the on the defense show last night, he suggested it was something that's just brilliant in the situation. Just code word goes into the huddle, like Daryl, and so left Larry. Larry means left. You know, Robert or whatever R word you want to use means right. Okay, Daryl means get the hell down after you get the first down. Okay, so that's all you need to do to have that is tag that on the end of the play. But Oliver, if he'd been thinking in that in that particular instance, and who knows exactly what he thinks. I mean, you know, there may be a, a you know a spoken rule that basically Harbaugh says, unless we tell you to go get down, don't don't try and be clever because I will be angry, kind of thing. But I, I look at that as if he had gone down at the one yard line and the Ravens win the game because of that, either by field goal or a third down touchdown, which are both equivalent, you know, both very reasonable possibilities in that sort of situation. I think Oliver gains more points in my book than having scored the touchdown alone by, by a factor of five. You know, it, I, obviously, you know, he's got to do the standard things that tight ends do do to, to, to catch that touchdown pass. He's got to do the standard things that tight ends do, catch that pass, and then think to go down, which I think is worth about four times as much in terms of situational awareness gain that the Ravens could have had. I, I just, I, I'm, I would have been thoroughly impressed with him if, if he'd have done that, which is why I only put about 6% of the problem with him facetiously. You know, obviously I'm not, I'm not cutting it that close, but um, I, I mostly blame this one on the coaches just not being prepared for the play. The Ravens are at the line of scrimmage quickly on that play, by the way, there were still, you know, 16, 17 seconds left when they were at the line. So they had time to get it in. But their failure to get plays in quickly may still have played in to their unwillingness or inability to think they could get the code word or the word into the huddle that said, hey, don't score on this play. Yeah, and maybe if it was a guy like Mark Andrews who was on that play, he might have had a savvy to get yeah. down on that score. But, you know, like a lot of times coaches would be like, act like you've been there before. And for a guy who hasn't been there in that situation a whole lot of time, then a Josh Oliver, you know, he might revert back to his, you know, just just get in, just get in, because we don't know if, like, like, look, you have the greatest kicker in NFL history. You're going you're gonna to make a chip shot field goal. You've been doing it all game. Okay. Um, but, you know, for so like a guy like Mark Andrews might have had that, you know, heads up awareness to like, you know, get down. Oh, my fantasy owners might be mad at me, but I, you know, I'd rather get this win to get this than, you know, get these six points for uh, for Joe, Bo- Joe Bag of Donuts in Wisconsin. He got me <laughs> on the fantasy team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it obviously it's a, it's a big ask of, of Oliver to do that, but the, it's not that big an ask of the coaches because the Ravens, you know, by scoring six, they went up by five. So they had to they had to get a two point conversion also to take the touchdown risk to mitigate the touchdown risk and by the way it mitigated it but but it didn't eliminate it and they, obviously Jacksonville scored the touchdown went for the two and got it uh, you know it, it it it's just it's extremely frustrating to me when I think game management decisions aren't really being made 
effectively on the field because they're not being communicated into the huddle properly. And the, the Bears game last year, the, the Chicago Bears lost that game to the Ravens because of Mooney, I think it was, was the receiver who caught the touchdown pass to, to give them the lead. I might have it wrong. It might have been somebody else. Didn't go down. All he had to do is go down anywhere within the five-yard line. He caught the ball 15 or something. All he had to do is go down inside the five-yard line. The Bears win that game. There's no coming back. Uh, he goes in instead. Huntley drives him up the field for a game-tying touchdown or game-tying field goal might have been, whichever it was. And then the uh, the Ravens won in overtime, if I recall correctly. But the Ravens did come back to win a game. Yeah, they had no business. Was- yeah, it was Marquis Marquis Goodwin. He plays for the Seahawks now, and that was the that was one of course Westry, Westry right down the right sideline, on the on the on the zero on that the cover so, zero. That sounds right. It was a man coverage because of the cover zero. Cover zero, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was the one that that's the one Westry got toasted by Marquis Goodwin, and um and yeah yeah it, it didn't go to, it didn't go to overtime. It was just Huntley that had that big completion that Sammy Watkins get out of bounds, and then they ended up winning. It was like 16-13. So so they they were down they were put down thirteen to nine by the touchdown, and then the Ravens needed needed to come back there. But obviously, if it was I think it was nine to seven because they must have missed the extra point or something, or maybe it was sixteen to fourteen they won because they and they got the extra point. But their kicker was a little shaky in that game. But still, if you're kicking from the one or two yard line, you know, which means you're kicking from the nine yard line, let's call it, it's a nineteen yard field goal, you're not gonna miss that. In the NFL, even even Mr. Shakiest of the kickers. Yeah. All right. All right. Enough of that griping about that. I've had enough. Of it. Let's grape instead about the red zone now and the failures there where the Ravens went two of five. And I just Ooh. picking those apart, you know, the, the, the first drive, they had four red zone plays they ran or they, you know, on their red zone series. And they had a delay of game, a pass for five that got that yardage back and then two incomplete passes. Obviously, it sucks to get the delay of game because that probably really reduced their chance to create a manageable third down or one even where they might have gone for it on fourth down to to uh, to make the play, and then they were forced to kick the field goal. Um, the delay of game was the play that really really sticks out there, as opposed to doing it to the Ravens. Yeah, whenever you whenever you get backed up on that and and back down in that part of the field, it's so it's so debilitating because it's already a condensed part of the field. And some people be like, "Oh, look, you have more space," but no, like it kind of gets you out of rhythm because then it kind of changes your whole approach to it. And sometimes I feel with with especially with with, with Greg Roman, like if they get put behind even five yards. It's always like, "Okay, now we got to pass." You can almost you can almost anticipate that they're going to try to throw some screen or some other kind of quick thing just to try to get those yards back real quick. And it's kind of like, you know, it disrupts the whole rhythm of their of their of offense of this play calling down there. And then they kind of just just kind of sputter out of control. And before you know it, you know, just getting back up five yards, 10 yards ends up just kind of derailing the whole possession. And then you end up settling for a field goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very frustrating. And the, the second drive. Uh, they got down the red zone. It was a run for Jackson by seven on first down. So they set up a second and three. Then Edwards gets stopped for minus one. Then on the third and four play, so you still got a you know a good chance to score here. Throw the ball into the end zone. Lofton, who's I think it was Lofton calling the game, right? I'm not. I don't have that game uh, that wrong, right? James Lofton. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so. The ball was at knee level. Uh, you know, it's great to have him calling the game because as an ex-receiver, he's mm-hmm. a guy who can tell you exactly how he should approach that catch. Collinsworth is also good for that when you get him. Uh, but you know, you, you don't you don't lose 
get off your feet on that. You run right through the football. You try and catch it knee high. I think Robinson probably has good experience with that, doing it with Mahomes and, and, and whatnot. And the only time you really go, go down to the ground, in my opinion, is when you have to or when you want to protect the football from somebody. You know, so the quarterback will often throw it at, at knee or shin level to try and protect that football. And then you got to go down and, and get it. But that was a play where it really didn't need to be done. And it ended up causing a drop by Robinson on a ball he, he really should have caught. Yeah, yeah. And I love Lofton's explanation of that play, too, because I was sitting there yelling the same thing. Like, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. Like, Lee, like they make the they make the easy things look hard sometimes. So we got we're blaming Roman on this first drive. We're blaming Robinson maybe on the third drive, uh, on second drive rather. The third drive, I thought was a little different. So it was the sixth drive of the game. They're in the third quarter at this point. I think it was the first drive of the third quarter. And and the first play of that drive was a run left for minus one. And what it really was was a very bad read by Lamar. I looked at the play and Lamar thought he had a little something up the middle or to the left because uh, they were uh you know they had moved there but they had the justice hill was wide open for a big run going to the right two blockers were both out in space ready to block the two defensive backs who were on that side um it looked like the the linebackers were totally focused on lamar and the possibility of of him going left on that read so it, this would have been a great handoff play to hill should have should have made the right read. Unfortunately, didn't this time. It's going to happen from time to time, even with Jackson. Um, and and unfortunately, that that was the play that really ended up killing it for the Ravens. They got a three-yard run from Hill on the next play, which might not even be that great a play selection. And then on the last drive, uh, on the last play of the drive, Jackson had a clean pocket that he was throwing from. It was his only sack of the day he took. And he took it, leaving the clean pocket, trying to run. Just didn't quite make it out of it. And he got taken down for minus one. So it was a case of of if he stands in there for another second and is able to deliver the football somewhere, someone breaks open, he's probably got the touchdown. He might have even gotten a better scramble opportunity by waiting another second. Uh, but but the pocket did not appear to be collapsing around him at the point he took off there. And I actually had it as an ample time and space play in my in my results. Yeah, it's just like the the way like like opposing defenses are hyper aware of Lamar Jackson's ability to, 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 you know, gash you real quick if you don't keep your rushing integrity. So like when like people like, Oh man, when they watch the Eagles and see Jalen hurts, you know, running, running wide open to the ends, running on almost unscathed into the end zone on the QB draw. Like I'm not saying that, you know, people aren't scared of Jalen hurts or aren't, aren't aware, but with Lamar, it's it's not the same. And with Lamar, you're hyper aware. Like, Like this guy is a former league MVP and, Jalen Hurts may very well be on his way to getting a league MVP of his own. But what Lamar did in 2019 put the entire league on red alert. Like, hey, mm-hmm. if you don't keep your rushing in check, that's like the first thing they probably go over in their in their um on the defensive meetings whenever they gotta play the Ravens. Or even like I'm I'm pretty and, and the other thing that people forget about this the Jags were, were not were coming up, were coming off of a bye. So not only were they healthy and well rested, they had two weeks to prepare for right. the Ravens. The two things to prepare for this very unique offense that the Ravens run. And for this very unique quarterback, so I'm pretty sure their 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 defensive line coach, their linebackers coach, their offensive linebackers coach, ingrained into their into their like, look, look, you guys, you cannot, we gotta gotta keep contained, gotta keep wrestling, gotta keep wrestling integrity, because if you give this guy an inch of daylight, like Gale, Gale Sayers, all I, all I need is one inch. That's all I need, and 
gone. And um, so, like, when people think, why can't the Ravens run what the Eagles run? Because people aren't as scared of Jalen Hurts as they are of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I first of all, I completely agree with what you just said, is that the hyper-awareness is very clear. I think the place where it shows up most for the Ravens is the Ravens can never generate ample time and space for Lamar on a boot. And I think they actually might have done it once during this game, or maybe it was once during the previous game. And it's like, it stands out because you never see it happen. Every team basically runs the same boot play. They, they run a play action zone blocking play to the left side. And you'll see it because all the offensive linemen end up mm-hmm. way over where they couldn't possibly help the quarterback on the, on the boot play. The running back is off running to the left. It's almost always run to the left because because with a right-handed quarterback, you want to roll right to be able to throw in either direction. If you if you roll to the left, you screw that right-handed quarterback most of the time. In fact, if he was Joe Flacco, you'll absolutely make him inert or you know uh, vestigial is the right is the word I'm looking for. I think like an appendix. You, he's he's uh, he's useless there. But uh, when you when you always are rolling right off always play action, it means that oh, sorry off always this this zone show the edge defender on the boot side is hyper aware of that with Jackson where they are all just, well, yeah, whatever. If it's Joe Flacco. So it's Joe Flacco. They think, Oh, I can get to him in time. Well, not really true. Joe Flacco met some of his best plays creating time and space. They teams did eventually become aware of it. They eventually tried to shut it down, particularly in the division. But with Lamar Jackson, I mean, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. Not only can he, can you hurt? Can he hurt you with his pass at three levels? He also becomes that extra X factor as a runner if you let him get out there. So that edge defender, he cannot mess it up. And I think you're absolutely right. I think he spent so much time going over that with various guys who could be playing on that right side in particular to make sure that containment isn't lost. Uh, you run right at Jackson. You make him throw that ball. Even if he throws a 10-yard completion, we don't care. Make him get rid of that football. I know. And you, you can see the difference because they, they come straight. Like they, they just – they're just running full charge. They're not even trying to. They're not even trying to break down or move laterally or try to eliminate, um, you know, an, an angle to the sideline. They're just coming straight at them. And if you know, if they if they force him to throw the ball away, like you see a lot of times, Lamar. What happens to Lamar? He'll just like you know keep keep rolling right and then throw the ball away way out of bound deep down the field because those guys are not playing with him. They're not like, no, you're not going to put me on your highlight reel. You know, you're not. You know, like like I'm I'm going to keep this contained or I'm going to force you to throw this ball away or you know like chop or make you stop and try to juke me out, but then the Calvary's coming. All right. Lots of frustration in the red zone there, obviously. A lot of frustration in terms of of, of how the, the Ravens are able to keep on top of Lamar here. Um, the yards per play were good enough to win this game at 6.1. They only had one sack for minus one. They only had three offensive penalties, despite the, you know, the 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 holding penalty by McCarry and the and the and the uh, they, they did have offsetting penalties at 1.2, so it might have been four, or that might have been the third. Uh, it doesn't really matter, But they, and they also had the one delay a game. But the, the, the point being that they did not give the defense a lot of variation of play result. Almost all the variation of play result that they gave them was in incomplete passes. And that is where they got themselves in trouble at some point, but they really move very efficiently down the field as offenses will do when they, ha- when they have a very low variance offense without big chunk negative plays Defenses don't have a lot to work with in terms of getting a team off the field, even on three downs, let alone four. 
Yeah, and like I said, this this team has no problem moving the ball. Like that's not the problem. Their problem is punching it in. And like like you know, when you're having when you're having problems, you know, capitalizing on drives and, and seven field goals against the Jaguars and the and, and the Panthers, like what are you gonna do when you're going against the, the big bads in the AFC, like the Chiefs and the and and the and the Bills and the, and the Dolphins and like um people are gonna bring up, well, they had the Dolphins beat, but you didn't beat the Dolphins. Well, they had the they had the Bills beat and their defense get but you didn't beat them, and like this, you can't tell me that this team now is you know they, they may be they may have fixed some of their issues as far as blown coverages on on, on back in the defense, but you can't tell me that this team this offense right now is currently constructed can you know at the, and that's the, at the way they're performing right now can go toe to toe and blow for blow with the Chiefs if their defense isn't having uh you know the, the, the best of days you know because even even on even on their bad days like the Chiefs offense is still going to put up twenty to twenty seven points. On on the Ravens' bad days, their offense struggles to put up thirteen. Right. I mean, I think I think you know they've been playing the last two weeks without Ronnie Stanley for for a lot of plays already, and that, that he's the biggest domino of them all in terms of making sure things are held together properly, uh, offensive line wise. We'll get to that a little bit later. McCarry didn't have a terrible game here, but uh, it, you know it, it limits what the Ravens can do. It limits some of of how they block effectively run and pass um, to, to have Ronnie in there. And it limits certainly how Lamar, what Lamar expects out of his left tackle and, and, and how uh, happy his feet get in terms of, uh, of having to leave the pocket and, and, and maintaining his focus down the field. So I, I just, I playing with that Ronnie Stanley is a big deal. Playing without Hamilton right now is killing the Ravens on defense. And, you know, it's obviously their weakest position. Hamilton was a serviceable answer to, you know, Put put Hamilton in as your slot corner, and to hell with it. If it doesn't work out because his speed isn't perfect, well, the other options are worse. So you know he's and he'll create plays for you in a lot of different ways. He's a, he's an athlete, um, but there really isn't another answer for Ronnie Stanley, and most teams don't have one in terms of having a legitimately decent backup left tackle. McCary hasn't been utterly terrible this year. He's probably been slightly above the replacement level for the year, but he hasn't been good either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, they look at me right. He's better than Alejandro Villanueva, but yeah. you know, he's, <laughs> he's he's certainly no 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 Ronnie Stanley, and it's it's just that you know, to me, health and execution is like the biggest obstacle for this team right now. I mean, health in like key positions, like as as. You know, for like the first, like I want to play the first three quarters. Brandon Stevens played a really good game on defense, right? Mm-hmm. But it was those, it was those high leverage moments late in the game where you let the Jags hang around to where, it, where you know that 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 deficiency and that that gap between him and Hamilton really came back to bite you and in, in, bite you bite you in the butt. And um, in, then back, you know, with um, with with Ronnie Stanley not being there, you know. Uh, Patrick McCarry plays a solid game, you know, quarters one through three, but then he gives up that, you know, the get the, that 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 holding holding call late in the game that you know that really costs you, and and it's just and health health and execution, like you know, if you don't if you're executing early in the games, you're not stopping on this on the next of these lesser teams, then you're gonna let them hang around, and then before you know it, like Lamar said after the game, you know, you give them confidence, and then before you know it, Trevor Lawrence is is, is looking like the first overall pick that you know the golden child that we all thought he was gonna be coming out of Clemson a few years back. It's especially bad matchup for this team. And and unfortunately, you know, accurate quarterbacks who get the ball out really quick. And he's very accurate. And and he throws lasers. Not just get, doesn't get the ball out quick. Gets the ball to the receiver even quicker um, than normal. Uh, you know, they have a good set of, of receivers for yards after catch. And 
unfortunately, the Ravens still uh, had their tackling problems exposed in this game by all those factors that I think you know were were, were together. Having not their A team in terms of cornerback, having you know not the, their linebackers kind of exposed in space by some of the routes run by running backs, uh, and, and also honestly by other people just crossing the middle of the field. You know, some of that was behind Queen, was behind Roquan, and and it's just not their greatest strength. So, you know, it it is what it is. Queen's been playing great football. I don't want to beat on him. I'm just saying that this was a bad matchup for Queen and Roquan, who have been good players these last few weeks, and I think are are incredibly key to having the Ravens' defense go where I think they can be, which is very near the top of the NFL the rest of the way. And that's when plays like that, like like you just mentioned, this is where like you, man, I wish we had Marcus Williams right now yeah. because those were the exact kind of plays that he was eliminating in week one against the Jets, week two against the Dolphins. Yeah, and it would allow you to play dime defense again. So you, mm-hmm. you put Chuck Clark back up in the box replacing Roquan or Queen, either one on third down. Don't care. Alternate. Do whatever you want. You know, both of them play 90% of the snaps and, and Clark plays 20 as a dimebacker or 30 as a dimebacker or whatever. Then you really have a good coverage asset in the middle of the field who can help you. And he's a little bit of a, not a fish out of water, it's the wrong call, but it doesn't maximize who Chuck Clark is to have him on the back end. It maximizes who Chuck Clark is to have him in, in a short area coverage zone where he can hit a quarterback like almost nobody else in terms of, of coming downhill. He's a, he's a, you know, hard tackling linebacker type to start with. And then he's also a guy who gives you coverage smarts in that area. And his his own, um, you know, marginal speed is not marginalized by the play to have that happen. That's why we saw, we saw Anthony Levine have a great year there in 2018. Chuck Clark had an even greater year in 2019 when the Ravens played a, a ton of dime. And uh, and it would really help to have Chuck back in that, in that dime back spot at the end of the year. If we could somehow get to that point, have Hamilton come back, have Williams come back, and and you know have real options in terms of how the coverage would work. Yeah, totally agree. Let's uh, let's speed it up a little bit if we can. I'm sorry to 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 do this to you, Josh, but but I kind of want to get through some of this. Lamar, uh, let's roll on. Uh, I want to give his ample time space ball a quick and pressure numbers here. Uh, twelve ample time space opportunities in this game out of thirty three. That was thirty six percent. Six out of the twelve of those were complete. One hundred and forty three net yards. So eleven point nine yards per play. One TD. That of course included that uh, massive throw to Deshaun Jackson. But it's the best ATS game that Lamar has had in a long time. He's been having some really unimpressive ATS times and relatively few total ATS opportunities, but 36% in this game was, was good in terms of what he was delivered. And he made good on the, in, in terms of the results on them. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, man. It's just that the, the frustrating thing about this Ravens pass offense sometimes is because that's such a low volume. When you say low volume, like you're like, well, he still threw the ball 32 times. I'm like, well, you forgot to factor in the drops and, you know, but like, yeah, because they're not as high of a volume as some other teams is just like some of their misses are, are amplified or are like, you're like, Oh man, if he does, if he misses the Marcus Robinson on that, on that, on a deep over route on the second play of the game, you know, that, that, that kind of sticks in your head. Cause you know, like, man, you may not, you might not get that again. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's that he, he still had a, he still had a fantastic uh, day throwing the ball and made some really excellent throws, especially down the field. He had the one to Oliver, like the one, the big one to to Deshaun Jackson. And it's just like if we can get, if we can get more of that more consistently. I mean, sky's the limit for this team. No matter who he's, I won't say no matter who he's throwing through, but he can make he can make chicken salad out of chicken out of, out of chicken. You know, you know what with this group mm-hmm. of if they're able to just kind of connect more consistently. 
So do you think Deshaun Jackson could give the Ravens anything in as a uh, slant receiver, or is he strictly a deep threat at this point in his career? Because it seems, I mean, he, that that route, he sped past everybody he faced. It wasn't just the guys who were trailing him at the end of the play who were hopelessly lost. It was all the guys he ran by from the slot to start that play that were obviously not in any position to cover at, at, at that point. And, you know, we saw Bateman have real success against Miami on the one play. You see some off coverage. You see some willingness to, to throw a cover zero look. I mean, I'd be scared, you know whatless, to have – Deshaun Jackson in the slot and try and and run a cover zero play with the risk of him catching a slant and going the distance. I mean, I think I like, dude, I, I really if he can stay healthy, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, even at 35 going on 36, he'll be 36 on what December 1st, January so or something, right? Yeah, yeah. I think December, December 1st, something like that. Um, his birthday's coming up real soon here. The soon to be 36-year-old. But you can see even on even on the first catch he had of the game. I mean, the guy had like a 10-yard cushion because he was even at even at that age, like you know, like there he had that much respect for Deshaun Jackson's speed that you know he, he was playing 10, 12 yards off, and then he got that easy 12 yards on a little on a little on a little out route or in route. I can't remember which route it was, but like like the threat of Deshaun creates so much space for Deshaun. And if you get this guy on the move and or even on like a longer developing play, if you, if you can get that time to throw, then, I mean, watch out, man. Because if, if, if D-Jax and if LJ and, and, uh, and D-Jax can connect on more balls like that, at least – I'm not saying you got to do it at least four or five times a game, but at least once a game. Two twice a game, or just you know, even some close calls will still scare the defense enough to like you know open some more things up underneath for some other guys. All, and all you gotta do is show it. I say all you gotta do is show it. If he's on the field, they they can't really cover zero blitz. Uh, you know, they 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 uh, they have to stack it somehow to try and get him covered because it's just too much of a risk otherwise. Uh, I I uh, uh, yeah, you're right. By the way, it's tomorrow that that he turns thirty six. <laughs> The the Ravens are are relying on a bunch of ancient players right now to carry this team. So there there is a lot of turnover that's going to have to occur with players like Houston and Pierre Paul and Campbell and Deshaun Jackson who are who are really producing for him now uh, to uh, to move on to the next group anyway. And that's why I really want this team to go far because they have such a, a great blend of youth and 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 seniority and, and veteran leadership and veteran talent that's playing above expectation right now. Mm-hmm. To where like this is the, this is like the perfect I wouldn't say the perfect team to go all the way, but like as far as from a, a talent and experience standpoint, and you know it's like this nice injection of youth with this big rookie class that's contributing in some key moments and some key positions for them. Then you have these you know these seasoned veterans who've been around the block more than once, and it's just like if this team can get it together on both sides of the ball, man, they can be so dangerous. And that's why I'm so like hopeful and optimistic for this team that if they, if they get their collective ish together, they can go far. Yeah, I completely agree. Let me go back to Jackson for a minute. Seven ball out quicks. He went six for seven on those for 52 yards. So no problem on that. That that group is kind of truncated as people who've been through this definition kind of know. Uh, 14 pressure events. He went four of 13 on those. And actually, that one of those was an ATS. The sack for minus one was an ATS. So I've got the numbers off a little bit here. Uh, it's actually, I think, 10.9 on 13 ATSs. And it was 13 pressures then uh, with slightly over four yards per play. But uh, anyway, uh, four and a half or so. But uh, Jackson didn't, he didn't, he wasn't really bad in any relative to any normal standards on any of those uh, three categories. I did think the Jaguars 
did him a favor by not really blitzing him. And there's been two teams recently that haven't really tried to blitz him. I think both of them have suffered for it. New Orleans and, and, uh, and the Jaguars here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like earlier in the season, Lamar was just absolutely carving up the blitz and, um, and then like teams just kind of stopped, stopped doing it. And then, you know, like with, with, with Stanley coming back, especially like, you know, like, okay, this guy has his best pass, pass protector back. And like, you know, if, if they have more answers for the blitz and better protection, then, you know, like, yeah, you may, you may not be as as inclined to try to do it, but you, sometimes you got to do something. If he's carving you up either way, you know, something beats nothing, and I think nothing can really can really hurt you at at times. Whereas sometimes, like, even if they do have answers for it, sometimes there are still drops, there are still incompletions, there are still guys kind of running running the wrong routes, running into each other at times. Yeah, I mean, certainly a lot of things are going wrong for the Ravens' offense at times. You know, we're also. We are used to some very green grass being on this side of the fence in, with having Lamar Jackson at quarterback. In the first half of 2020 and all of 2019, Ravens fans got very spoiled with who this team is. Even the last, you know, the last half of 2018 when they ran the ball at will against everybody, um, you know, Ravens fans got really spoiled by by what it was that they had. And then as you know, we had a significant offensive line departures, injuries in terms of Yanda, in terms of losing Stanley for basically two years. Uh, you know, it's it's it, those things set an offense back very significantly. And it was an offense that was built on a good offensive line, a fairly average set of skill position players. Mark Andrews gets an apology there, but a fairly average set of skill position players. Certainly nothing special at wide receiver. Uh, not too much really special outside of Mark Andrews at tight end and a set of running backs, frankly, who, you know, it's not like Jakey Dobbins wasn't valuable for a year and that Gus Edwards wasn't valuable for more more time than that. But they're, they're stylistic fits for who the Ravens are. They're, they're great stylistic fits for playing with Lamar Jackson. And it's just we've, we, we got very spoiled during that time. And now, you know, the situation is not as good. You don't have, first of all, the fairly decent running backs. You have a bunch of geriatric running backs you're bringing in and rotating with, you know, all the five guys from the last two years that include Drake and Davis and and the Bell and Freeman and Murray. Murray. Yeah, those are the five. I mean, those guys, you know, maybe shouldn't be on anybody's roster. Uh, Drake has played well enough that that's not fair for him this year. The other four of them, they probably didn't deserve to be on anybody's roster. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And people always want to, like, you know, always want to want to go back to 2019. But I was like, dude, you had a Hall of Fame guard and 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 Marshall Yonda who who could who could play just about any position on the offensive line if needed, and who did a, a tremendous job in helping out both the center and and a, a, and a budding uh, Orlando Brown Jr. and a healthy Ronnie Stanley. You can't discount that. Like the Ravens' offensive line this year is pretty damn good. One, if, if, right. you know, one 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 of the best in the league. But it, it was it's not that unit, you know. It's, it's not that unit. It wasn't a prime Ronnie Stanley who was who was you know emerging into all pro form. It wasn't uh, 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 Orlando Brown playing next to a future Hall of Famer and Marshall Yonda who, who who could who masked so many deficiencies across the offensive line with his excellent level of play. It's just, it's just not the same. It's it's you know it's really weird. But the guy who's better is the, the 2019 line. He's the most maligned guy on the entire line, and that's Powers. Uh, you know, the, the other, <laughs> the other guy who's, who's, is maligned from the 2019 line, but he had his best season that year is Matt Skura. And mm -hmm. you know, his, he was a much more balanced pass and run blocker than Linderbaum is. Linderbaum's a good run blocker. People want to think like that's all that matters. It's not. In, in fact, 
blocking in space is not as important as blocking in line. Blocking for passing is far more important than blocking for running. So his his gifts, while you know, exciting to see, fun to watch, and I think they can be improved upon. You know, Matt Skura was a was a fourth year veteran, I believe, in 2019. He was just about to leave in free agency. That's right. And and he was having his best year at that point. Was was you know he he jokingly put out Pro Bowl ballots for himself at midseason. I don't know if you remember that, but you know, had, yeah. the, the Ravens had their own made, and then he made, he made up a homemade one of his own that was just it was it was hilarious. It was great to see it done. But uh, but Matt had a really good year, and uh, and I think Linderbaum, you know, while he, while I have a lot of hope for what he can become, he's not there now, and we shouldn't be pretending like it. So well, we'll get into Linderbaum a little later. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's on the right trajectory, though. Yeah, right trajectory. I agree. That's the way to say it. Um, uh, we've talked about the drops. We talked about the time to throw. Uh, we talked about the frustration and the speed of calls. I think we've we've basically handled a lot of this. I did think the Jaguars. You know, I'll just reiterate the point that they really did the Ravens a favor in a, in a, a lot of ways to stick with a four man pass rush and drop seven. I know they've got some problems in the secondary too, in terms of uh, of trying to cover people. So they probably were thinking, you know, we got a pretty good pass rush. We think we can generate some pressure with four, but um, the, the, other, the teams that have been successful against Lamar have gotten pressure by having that odd man come more times and being quick about effectively green dogging. It's, it's not the correct term because green dogging, obviously you're, 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 you're waiting to make sure an eligible receiver is not going out, but it's more like green dogging Lamar himself as a spy. As soon as you see any indication that he's leaving the pocket, you send that faster linebacker that you've got in spying in as the extra rusher at that point. And sometimes you just do it with safety or do it off the slot or whatever, just to give Lamar some trouble. But uh, he's, he's, the, he's had a lot of trouble with that in recent weeks. And and I think the, the Jaguars kind of did him a little favor to, to be rushing four so often. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, Josh, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Now we're going to come back and do part two uh, of this show. Really, really uh, appreciate you doing that and sticking around for, for that. Tell folks one more time where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Josh Reed 907 and you can read a lot of my work at, um, heavy, at uh, heavy on Ravens for Heavy Incorporated. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Love to hear about that. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to write a review, you're the best fans we've got if you're still listening at this point. So we really appreciate that. And uh, it's always nice. The other thing we are asking people to do is tell one other person you know that doesn't listen to podcasts, maybe. Just have them go to the website, turn on this podcast at work or somewhere else. Yeah, it's okay with me for you to waste time at work. Yeah, but seriously, to to to, to give the podcast a try, and uh, uh, particularly if you think you we've uh, talked about something interesting this week that, that they might like, and uh, that word of mouth is, is primarily what we have. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.